0: Hello everyone, and, <laughs> that's so funny, so I do that every time, right? So hello everyone, every time. good morning, or good afternoon, so nice to see you all here, so um, my name is Jackie Schwab, I am here with my good friend and someone you all should know, Miss Marty Hannon from the World Changers Consulting, and I am Jackie hello. Schwab from Surgiving Circus. How are you today Miss Marty?
1: I'm enjoying beautiful sunshine and fluffy white clouds, and so I'm good because I have sunshine and oh, fluffy really? white clouds. Oh, really? Yeah. How about you? Yeah, it's so
0: great. You know what? We we don't have sunshine, but it's Wisconsin, so you know I think sun is allergic to us. I'm gonna say I think that's how we're gonna go. <laughs> what happened
1: with the snowstorm this week? You guys got a major. Oh, hit,
0: we didn't got you? we. We got pounded pretty good, actually. I don't really know what happened, but um, we got a lot of snow, and it kept falling, and, but now we have mm-hmm. none. It literally started melting the minute it started falling. Wow. Uh, I, don't get that. Yeah. I don't know. So I, so we were going to have a wonderful guest today. Uh, her name is A.J. Bryant. She is the founder of Achieving I'm, Imp- I'm Possibility. Um, unfortunately, Miss AJ's wonderful husband, Chris, had some major surgery on Monday. And since all of us are family caregivers, I'm sure we can understand that that takes huge priority over um, anything else that might come up. So I think we might have to do a quick change of direction. And my thought was since we started last week, Miss Marty, we were kind of like, Barely through your, the beginnings of your caregiving story with your mom, um, I'm wondering if we wanted to kind of pick up uh, from that point of the story because we are kind of still a little bit in stage two and maybe um, walk through stage three and how that went with your mom. Do you think that will work out okay for us?
1: Sure, why not?
0: All right. So um, stage one, just a reminder for everyone, right, is the expectant. Uh, stage two is freshman, like freshman 15, and stage three is entrenched, essentially up to your eyeballs and elbows and craziness. Um, and the last, I believe, the very last comment we had, we were talking through, was we had just found out that your mom got the diagnosis. Mm-hmm. Um, and us that's where come
1: to a place of hope. Did, did you reference what book we're talking about, The Caregiving Years?
0: Um, No, I didn't, so that is perfect, so we are talking about Denise Brown's book, The Six Stages to a Meaningful Journey, The Caregiving Years, and the stages are a component of what she developed as a coping strategy and then years and years of working with family caregivers, and so she has trained you you and I both, we both have gone through her certification program, and it's a wonderful certification program, so go check it out, caregiving.com give you an opportunity to also join in certification. I believe Miss Marty is actually training in April. So,
1: um, good to
0: know, Marty April. sixth. <laughs> so um, hopefully everybody can, uh, get out there and go hang out with her. So that would be that component of it. But yeah. So what Love do you it. think, Marty? You want to try to, try to dive change in. gears and dive on in? Absolutely.
1: If our guest joins us, we can always pick up our story another week.
0: Sounds
1: good. Yeah, you know, we were talking about hope last time a lot, being immersed, you know, surrounded and submerged in hope, right, that that was the goal of my my mom had. So we talked about that. I was 16 when my mom got the diagnosis of um, colon cancer. And, excuse me. And as a freshman caregiver, um, we were trying to find our way and figure out what was our new normal within this terrible um, B word, getting cancer. And in that day, in 1993, it was not likely for her to do well, especially since it was throughout her liver. So we, uh, my mom just focused on hope. She focused on wanting to make sure I had as much of a normal um, teenage year as possible, and it, it went along pretty well for a while. And then uh, now bringing it to the entrenched. And I like to think of entrenched as, to me, that reminds me of being entrenched in a war zone. Like you have dug your trenches, you are, you are in the middle of the battle, you're at the front lines. And it is challenging, it's painful, there's loud noises everywhere, it can be chaotic. And people are dropping off left and right next to you, right? Yeah. That unfortunately, is I
0: feel like that all the time. <laughs> right. Well, I think
1: as a mom, you are, you know, I don't know if you ever truly leave that stage. <laughs> You're in Maybe there's moments where you don't have that.
0: <laughs> when I go to the bathroom, um, I think I'm by
1: myself. Oh well, that's, that's good. Yeah. You have mom- that's good. You have momentary reprieve.
0: <laughs> exactly.
1: So when you get so there's You know, when we've talked about the different types of caregiving scenarios, entrenched looks different for everybody. I mean, for me, in that caregiving situation, entrenched came when um, she started getting more sick, and she had to have a gallbladder out. They had not done that in the first surgery because of infection. And she was so ill; she had to go back in and get it taken out. Well, it was downhill from there, and it was just one mm-hmm. thing after another. And getting out of bed was an incredibly excruciating experience, and and to the point where you know she couldn't be alone; she didn't want to be alone. So that was almost that was the summertime. So we found out the diagnosis in January. June comes along, and that's when she had to have the next surgery, and she never really recovered from there. So, we had two months of really entrenched in this painful process of my mom dying, essentially, in and out of the hospital, just trying to survive each day, getting excited for little moments of peace, little mm-hmm. moments of connectedness, and just seeing what we could do to get through this. It was, I hardly left the house during those time frames, um, and I didn't want to because my mom was afraid, and there was just so much going on. I needed to be there with her in those moments. So you, when you think of that, when I think of that time, I think of how painful it was. There was a lot of, there was some family conflict um, because none of us really knew what to do, and different family members were having to intervene, and I think that's so common in the entrenched places. We're just trying to survive, just trying to get through. And that's what it yeah.
0: was—survival mode. So, didn't you say? Um, right, well, I'm pretty sure you said this, or maybe you didn't. It was just based on your age. But you were still in high school when this was all going on, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. So how? So, so you—I know you didn't want to leave the house. Uninfraged. Go ahead. No, oh, no, no. Go ahead. Um, you, you said you were 17. Um, you're obviously, well, not obviously, but I, I made the assumption and that's why I'm asking in case I made a wrong assumption, Uh but you were, you were still a high school student, still having to be Mm -hmm. a high school kid and go to class and learn stuff and get in the morning and put, do homework at night and pack your bag and go back to the school. I mean, how, how did that work? Did you, was school, school a a thing? Were you doing school?
1: (laughs) Well, thankfully freshman time frame was my last semester of my sophomore year so we finished up that semester and it was still in that stage of her doing well and wanting to have hope and wanting me to have as normal of a teenage year as possible then in june after school was let out was when everything went downhill so So i did have the luxury yeah and we had talked about though um me not going back to school in my junior year to to make sure she wasn't alone and the, that, you know, I, I wouldn't want her to have anybody else. I wanted to be with her. And, you know, there was conflict in my family over that discussion because, you know, the thought of me staying behind in school so I could be with mom and sacrificing my future. But to me, there was nothing more important. I was only going to have so much more time with my mom. So it was a no-brainer. I I wanted to be home. It didn't matter that I couldn't go out with my friends, hang out, and go to the beach or, you know, go on trips to Great America or um, all the normal things my friends were doing, getting jobs. I, I I didn't care. I just wanted to be with my mom and play rummy with her whenever she felt well, mm-hmm. read to her, and just yeah have those moments and and try to survive it. You know, try to survive. I think yeah. everyone is going through a different way of being
0: entrenched, though. Every caregiver yeah, experience is different. I, I was just, um, just, I'm always struck by how different people's experiences are with the entrenched component. Um, nothing mm-hmm. like your story at all, but a very good friend of mine also has a daughter, an autistic daughter, and um, their food issues were. Uh, her daughter wouldn't eat at all. Like, they were actually yeah. worried about her failure to thrive scenario. I mean, how she would not eat. And my daughter has pica, <laughs> so she'll eat oh, anything, yeah. uh, but they want her to eat. And literally, when they were both the same age, 20 years apart, we had a lot of journey was similar, but like our food journeys, right, were completely different. I'm trying to keep her from yeah. eating charcoal. And she's trying to she'd give her charcoal if so that would have got the kid to eat it, you know. And, <laughs> but we were both clearly and exasperated. At one point, she said she told her daughter, "Fine, don't eat then if you want to die," which she didn't mean, right? Oh. And I, You're at one right. point in the middle, yeah, <laughs> in the middle of the night, I was like, "If you know, fine, if you don't want to." going to eat dumb crap and it's gonna make you sick all the time, fine, just do that. That's that's your choice. And I didn't mean that either. Yes. But I was just so overwhelmed and we were entrenched and but neither of those things that I just said to you or anything like your journey at all, right? I
1: mean
0: Yeah. You're maybe asking you if asking. to mom eat. Don't know. Yeah. yeah. No, no, it's crazy. it's
1: and Eating a spoonful of peaches was exciting. But, you know, I was thinking about one of our other fellow students and her brother who has um, schizophrenia and
0: how her entrench
1: looks so different. You know, that, I mean, that she is living in such a high intense, uh, unsafe situation to be there for her brother.
0: Yes. And
1: there is no deadline with that, just like with autism, there's no end in sight, whereas I knew there would be an ending at some point.
0: But you know what's interesting that, about that too, is you one of each of us both perceive that differently, like I think I am so blessed that I don't have an ending like that. and I can see your maybe other people's perspectives have been with me have always been like, oh, I could never do that and that was knowing there was no end, and I'm like, but I don't have to have an end, I'm so excited, you know, um yeah. my brother <laughs> I don't yeah well not my brother my my uncle lost his my cousin died when she was only she's very young she was 21 when she passed, but she was, she got a brain tumor at eight or nine, and um, Mm. two years ago, we were riding in the bus to volunteer at Lambeau Field for an autism event, and he was like, I'm so sorry that you have to live through this forever. I might cry now, because I'm a crier. And I was like, well, why are you sorry? I still have her. God, daughter's gone, but I still have her. And So I think everybody's it's so crazy that we all go through the same thing but completely differently. You know, we all still mourn and grieve and it, whether your person is still here or not, but mm-hmm. in of, it's as personal as anything possibly could be, right? That that, that experience. You cannot
1: compare your journey. You cannot compare your pain to somebody else's. You cannot ex- you cannot compare it because it is unique, like you're saying. It is your journey. It is your experience. And each one of us can carry what we can carry. And, and you know, I, I was thinking when you were talking about how, how sad she was for how long this is going to continue for you. I was thinking about, you know, before my mom got cancer, like the year before or something, there was another classmate that his mom died of cancer. And I was a wreck. I was a wreck anticipating what that would have done to me. This was, you know, well before my mom was diagnosed. I was just like, oh, my gosh, my world would end if if I lost my mom. I can't even imagine. I was crying. It was just awful. Okay. Oh. So then you go through it, and I wasn't that crying heap of a mess. Now, I think I could have shown a little more emotion and healed more in the moment. Yeah. but. My life did not completely end. And as as painful as it was, I anticipated it so much more than what really my experience was. I had enough grace to get through that time and survive it. Yeah. And it's a painful place in my heart. and But each of us are grateful for the journey. You know, one thing I want to say with them, um, and I find it interesting with cancer especially, and sometimes with Alzheimer's, mm-hmm. um, I've heard of people say this a lot, and I definitely did too, okay? So for for when somebody is at the end stages of cancer or Alzheimer's, there's a space where the caregiver often will have the thought of, I just want this to be
0: over. Yeah.
1: I am, I just want her to be at peace. I don't want her to be suffering anymore. And some people really have a hard time hearing that you would have that thought. But it's real. And when yeah. you're seeing a loved one suffer so intensely that they're, they're not really alive, and they've, everything is lost, and they're just in so much pain and agony and, and, and emotional torment, I, 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 I don't want it to continue forever. I, I don't mm-hmm. want to keep going through this, seeing my mom like that. And I did not want her to have to live like that. I would much rather think of her at peace in heaven than to think of her in continual agony. And and that's a very good aspect.
0: Yeah. We're actually personally going through that right now. Um, My mom is in hospice and she's not been well for, I I don't remember her being well, actually. I mean, she's been not doing well for a long time. And it's interesting because she's come to peace with, not yes. wanting to be in pain anymore so we have mm-hmm. weird weirdly i mean i have to say it's, it's just we have weirdly honest completely not expected by anyone's conversations about what you're just saying and and yeah. i'm to the i'm to this place that's not heartless as much as i get i get responses that are less than you know favorable but I don't, don't want her to hurt anymore. There's nothing left Mm-mm. they can do. And she doesn't want to hurt anymore. Mm-hmm. But wishing mm-hmm. them not to be in pain anymore is not the same as wishing they were dead. right? It's exactly yeah. like I was talking about with my daughter and my friend's daughter, I, I don't wish, I, we neither of us wished our child were not there. We just wished for that pain to go away. Yes, and we want the the suffering to stop, but not not the life. In fact, it's the opposite. We want their life to continue and be wonderful. Yes, Yeah. But it can't be. And because have their of... their
1: presence with us. And but yes. they weren't. My mom wasn't really in it with me at that point. You know, the last week was horrific. You know, I I think I've talked about it before. Where you know, she didn't recognize me and would be in agony. um hmm terrified uh, that final week of her life. And she did go to a nursing facility for the final week. And, and it was horrible. It was a horrible experience. And I I just wanted the suffering to be done. I wanted the agony of what I was going through to be done as well. And that may sound selfish and awful, but for people who haven't been through it, they don't know and aren't, aren't capable of judging. <laughs> so what yeah, it's like exactly. to live through that trauma. But the thought of living without my mom was horrific. Yeah. And honestly, she had a hard time letting go and being at peace in the final week because of me, that she was leaving yeah. a 17 year old who she knew would struggle. And I did struggle. And it was, I went back to started school you know, two weeks after my mom died and I had been her primary caregiver. And my, my dad definitely was her caregiver when you get home from work and we worked together on it. But you know it—it's mm-hmm. it's such a different reality when you go from being immersed into that person's life. And I'm jumping ahead already. That I'm um, transitioning. <laughs> but you know, I—I I just want people to understand that everybody's journey is different, and mine was one way, and it was painful, and I—I I longed for it to end. And then others mm-hmm. are just like, let me hold on for a little bit longer, and. Some their journey's never going to end, and they will have to, they they will have to learn to navigate this
0: and yes. figure out what that means to them. I think it's um I had this really odd conversation, i guess maybe not odd now nowadays,' none of thing, nothing's odd right I had this conversation <laughs> with my brother yesterday um and uh my my brother is my brother's narcoleptic, and he's in his third year of not yet hearing his, his disability case is still in appeals and yeah. they haven't not granted it. He has three young children or two young children mm. and his wife has MS. So they're, they have stuff, you know, going on. And we had this conversation about my mom because we just clearly talked about my mom not doing well. And um probably I always say she probably won't be here long, but I've probably said that for four years. So and And he and I were talking and and so one of the conversations we had, because we've had it many times before, but I'm so blessed that we had it this time and this way, because he said i have my life is so full right now with good and bad, just full, that I don't even think I can add something good to it mm. mhm, and the history that we've had with our parents would lean one to be a betting man that the experience would probably not turn out good. So mm-hmm. he he's having to come to this, this decision point where he said, you know, I know I'm going to feel guilty if I don't talk to her before she passes, or I know I'm going to feel bad later if this happens. And, mm-hmm. and I, and it occurred to me in this really odd time, like right now talking to you that he's, He's been entrenched in his own personal, legitimately personal caregiving experience with he and his wife together, caring for one another. Um, And I've been in my mother's journey with her and I, the same sort of situation. And they're both different and I can't judge. And and I told him that thankfully I've got to that place, but I told him yesterday, I was like, but you don't have to feel guilty. You you have to yeah. do what you can do for your own personal mental well being mental physical well being. And sometimes that's not having any spoons left. There's no spoons mm-hmm. left. There's no one to borrow from either, right? You've borrowed last week's <clears throat> next week's spoons too. And whether it's a good ad or a bad ad, you just can't add any more. And that's and someone is caring for her, right? And I, I think, thankfully, Denise made a comment for us last week, and I, or a week before. She said, you know, don't forget, guys, if someone chooses not to care, that they have to make a responsible decision to make sure someone else is. And I was like, and we were both mm. like, oh, good point. Mm-hmm. We didn't think to bring that up. Yeah. But, yes. but in this case, someone did, right? So a mm-hmm. responsible person did take that job. So he doesn't have yeah. to have it. So I think that remembering Enough. that we have to let go too, right? Like let go of the mm-hmm. guilt for the decision that you made because you made it. And, it's, and it just is. Mm-hmm. And move forward when you can, in the time that you can. But it's interesting to me how different mm-hmm. Entrenched is. And it can be so different in the situations that people are in.
1: I just was uh, looking at the website just to refresh my memory since we jumped into this and I hadn't taken yeah. time to refresh before we got into it. So well, it was good, um, good job. Resources. You were thinking while I was yapping. <laughs> no, you're all good. I was with you too. Half my brain. The, it's that is really the um, entrenched caregiver is helping a friend or family member, and the there's a key words are is receive, receive mm. help from anyone who offers, receive breaks from caregiving, receive support. Yeah, and that is huge—is being able to receive because so often I myself and others I've seen will will take on this role of I'm the one who can do this, and it's hard to. Even I'm the only that one, help.
0: right? Yes. I'm the only one that can do it. Yes, one and of and my to take favorite things.
1: Breaks, go ahead. Yeah,
0: my, my very favorite thing that I had to learn, and I I want to say Denise actually literally said it in our training class one time she said you while you may be the best one to do it and you no one will do as well as you do you're not the only one that's able to do it and that was a huge realization for me
1: you know what else was good that she said along with that is that we by taking that as we are the only ones that can do it, or maybe taking away someone else's blessing. Yes. Yes. That, that for them to be able to provide that service and care, because we all have this innate need to, to provide help to others. And so if we're not allowed to do that, then we're, we're missing out on the experience and those beautiful moments that we could have.
0: And that's actually a wonderful point, And I'm glad you remembered to bring it up because I know, one of the, I never thought of it that way until it it was said, and I actually felt bad, in a good way. It was mm-hmm. a good feel bad thing, because I thought, oh my goodness, I never thought about the fact that I'm actually robbing someone else who's going through entrenched stage with me. I mean, we're all in this. Mm-hmm. We all have a journey that we have to progress through when we lose someone, or when we're caregiving for someone, and in my thought is not selfishly, right? I'm thinking I'm doing something selflessly, but by not allowing them to participate, I'm robbing them of what they may have did to get through their journey mm-hmm. in, in a healthy way, which is kind yeah. of sad. Mm-hmm.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And I needed to hear it that way. I mean, I think everyone mm-hmm. needs to hear it a different way. Like the, the one of us both, the point we made right before this, that one didn't stick with me as much, but the whole piece where it was, if you don't allow others to receive either, like you literally mm-hmm. just drop some of the opportunity to heal or to love, maybe the way they show love is doing dishes, but you do them better, right? Then they don't get to do that. And you really do need the help mm-hmm. too. So it's like a double whammy yeah. of silly, silliness, you know?
1: And we, I, I know I've had the tendency of wanting to prove that I can do it and that I can carry on. And I don't need people, <laughs> and then I grow resentful and upset and frustrated that that I don't have help. It's like, well, maybe you should have accepted it when people were offering it.
0: <laughs> yeah, it's just a, isn't it a double-edged sword though? And I don't. And the thing is, is why I hope ever, I hope so many people hear some our broadcast, caregiving.com, or anybody's broadcast. If you don't know, you don't know. Like, I, my mm-hmm. journeys, for heaven's sakes, I can't, I, and I won't speak for you, but I can imagine my caregiving journeys could have gone and maybe would have gone significantly different had I known some things I know now, had I had the chance to do some of the planning and the foresight, but I didn't. But I really hope other people do because we're here doing this because it does help. Yeah.
1: It takes the pressure off when you, some pressure off, and because you have a plan when you go through those entrenched moments, where you need a compass, I, I some direction to to chart your course during the day. Um, otherwise, mm-hmm. it can just it, it just will rob everything from you when you're just putting out every fire. There has to be some preventative measures to be able to survive it. And you know that's one of the things um, she talks about in here too is is making sure that that routine you get a sense for the routine of what the new mm-hmm. normal is again in this stage, and then where are you fitting in the what what limits are you putting on your day to make sure you're staying well mm-hmm. and um, yeah and making sure that you are doing your self-care, even if it's just a, a deep breathing for a minute here and there. And I think that is one of the, the keys for this is to make sure, yes, you're going through crisis. It's a war zone. You know, even in the war zones when they're entrenched, some people would still play the harmonica and they would write letters to their sweethearts and, you know, they would do things to help keep their minds occupied. They would pray. and And that's important to remember. We have, yeah. we, I, I want to do better about that is making sure I, I take care of myself in the middle of those war zones, those crisis moments. Now we those have stages. to remember
0: that we're still alive, right?
1: <laughs> I mean, yeah. that's
0: the part that we actually still yeah. exist regardless of what's going on around us. Well, I am so happy that you were wonderfully amazing and showed up to co host our wonderful event. Um, and I do hope the best for Miss AJ and hopefully we'll be able to get her on. Um, with us at another time but we have to wrap up because our 30 minutes as normal so,
1: yeah.
0: <laughs> so right for anyone looking to learn a little bit more about being a caregiving consultant um, i'm sure you can find some information on the world changer consulting website or caregiving.com and our wonderful marty hannah is going to be teaching in april so hopefully you guys Yay. have find some interest in that and we can You can learn all kinds of other goodies um, one-on-one with just her and some of the other classmates. So it's very exciting. Uh, Thanks again for coming, Ms. Marty. And we will see you again next week. Same time, same place, same channel.
1: Thank you. Have a good week, everybody. You too.
0: Bye.